Eight years ago, Texas saw one of the worst chemical disasters in state history. West Fertilizer Company, an ammonium nitrate storage facility in central Texas, had exploded, just outside Waco in the city of West. So severe is the damage, so severe was the explosion that the casualty figures are only approximate between... If ammonium nitrate sounds familiar, you probably heard about the explosion in Beirut last year. That one was much, much larger, but the 2013 explosion in West was still devastating, especially for a small town. The blast killed 15 people, 12 of them emergency responders. It destroyed a huge chunk of the town, including more than 100 homes. 40 blocks of infrastructure were damaged, and three of the town's schools were leveled. The explosion registered as a 2.1 magnitude earthquake and left behind a crater 12 feet deep and nearly 100 feet wide. But the fallout of this event goes beyond death and destruction. The story of this town, of this explosion, of the investigations that follow, this story helps explain why chemical safety policies were eventually rolled back. Eight years later, there's no sign of the massive explosion that ripped through the area. Kids play at a nearby park across the train tracks from what used to be the West Fertilizer Company. Next to the park, there's now a memorial. The memorial has 15 stone blocks engraved with the names and life stories of the 15 people killed. They surround a fountain that has a small, eternal flame flickering on top. Hey there. How's it going? Hey, Dominic. How are you? I'm doing all right. I really appreciate you taking the time. We spoke with two community members who knew some of the people described on those blocks. First, Robert Payne. I met him on a windy day outside his funeral home. And I'm a funeral director here at Aderhole Funeral Home. My family owns the funeral home and a volunteer fireman for the West Fire Department. We both wore masks and I used a boom pole to maintain some distance. Payne is a lifelong resident of West and he really loves this town. It's a small town of 2,800 in the actual city limits. Uh, school district uh, is a 3A school, uh, which is a small school. We're a very tight-knit, close community, a very faith-based community. Everybody's in church on Sunday. Uh, uh, of course, the pandemic right now, that's not happening. But uh, everybody is, uh, uh, has a lot of faith uh, that they lean on in times like these. We also spoke with Dustin Matus. His father, Jimmy, owned a welding shop where Dustin worked. On the day of the explosion, Dustin's welding project wasn't going well, and his dad noticed. And he said, Dustin, you all right? I said, yeah, I'm frustrated. Said, it's 4 o'clock. Just get out of there. Just, the day's almost over with. Hey, we'll, we'll start on it tomorrow. They headed home for dinner, and his dad tried something new. Finally got him to eat some asparagus. And he's like, it tastes good. I like this. This stuff's good, because he's trying to watch his weight. And, uh... I just remember last thing he said was, I'm going to go mow the T-ball field. And then the next thing you know, he called me and said, hey, I'm going to that fire. I might need some help. You want to go? I said, I'm going to stay and wash dishes. Help my wife out wash dishes. The West Fertilizer Company was on fire. Volunteer firefighter Robert Payne got a call. I got the call from my father-in-law. He heard uh, all the commotion. I didn't have my beeper on at the time because I was out of town just before that and didn't turn it on. So I got a call from him. So I was about five minutes late, went straight to the scene from my house. By the time Payne gets to the scene, the fire has grown beyond the capacity of what the local volunteer fire department can fight. They have just two fire engines on the scene, but one of the hoses isn't even long enough to extend from the fire hydrant to the warehouse. Witnesses told investigators that the flames were 40 to 50 feet tall. The fire is spreading quickly. 
Robert Payne and the other firefighters are doing what they can. Yeah, what we were doing was trying to uh, uh, bring people back a little bit. Uh, we were, the fire was out of control. We didn't have enough water at the time. We were getting more departments coming in. So we were going to reassess, and I was going to the north side of the, the site to uh, tell that to the guys on the other truck and never made it over there. Actually, I made it over there. I just don't remember making it over there. In the meantime, Dustin Matus and his wife are watching the fire from their back porch. Dustin's dad, Jimmy Matus, has arrived at the scene. My wife has taken photos and pictures and videos, and she walked in the house, I guess, to upload them. And we got a big, like a, like a uh, storm door on the back of the house. Well, as soon as she walked in and she opened the door, when that storm door slammed, that's when it blew up. My memory just fades away. It just, uh, uh, the explosion occurred at 7.51. I was probably there about 10 minutes before it exploded. Texas Public Radio and Houston Public Media have spent the past half year reporting on chemical disasters in Texas, like the West Fertilizer Explosion. We've met with victims of that disaster and talked to the people behind the investigation. We know there are 33 ammonium nitrate sites across the state, and the same dangerous storage conditions that contributed to the West Explosion in 2013 are still allowed today. After the West explosion, the state of Texas made it harder to get basic information about where ammonium nitrate is. So we use satellite imagery and public records to find an ammonium nitrate storage site only 90 minutes away from West. The ripple effects of the West explosion carried all the way to the highest levels of the United States government, affecting chemical safety policy for nearly every chemical facility in the country. But eight years later, many changes remain either unfulfilled or they've been undone. I'm Dominic Anthony Walsh with Texas Public Radio. And I'm Katie Watkins with Houston Public Media. This is part three of Fire Triangle, our investigation into chemical disasters in Texas. We're trying to answer the question, why are there so many deadly chemical explosions and fires in this state? And what, if anything, is being done to prevent more? So back to the city of West on the evening of April 17th, 2013. A huge explosion just rocked this town. What's your next memory after the explosion? I remember a few things. I, I remember a little bit of the ambulance ride. I'm just a flash. I remember when they washed me off at the emergency room. It kind of woke me up at that time. Uh, and from then on, it was the next day before I had any good memories. I rushed, we rushed actually upstairs and got in the shower because my dad always said, if something ever happens over here, turn the water on and stand in the water because that water will keep that keep a chemical off you. We didn't know what was in the air. If the anhydrous tanks had blown up, what blew up, we didn't know. Next thing you know, I looked out the window and I seen a big cloud coming toward us. Like I didn't know if it was soot or chemical. So we actually ran from there and got in the truck, grabbed all of our dogs. Our dogs, we, we thought they were dead, but just the, I guess the percussion had knocked them out. The cloud he saw billowing into the sky after the explosion, that was most likely nitrous oxide. It's the toxic aftermath of an ammonium nitrate detonation. So Robert Payne is in the hospital for two weeks. For two days, Dustin Matus doesn't know what happened to his dad. The site of the explosion was a massive crater. Because I, mean, I lived right across. I mean, I lived across the pasture. I tried to drive my four-wheeler over there. I couldn't get over there. The sheriffs would stop me. Everybody would stop me. But uh, I had one of my friends 
He said, I'm going, Dustin. Uh, you want me to let you? I said, I need to know. And uh, sure enough, they found him. And uh, he said, uh, he said, brown, brown Reeboks, right? Everybody knew Dad wore brown, like leather Reeboks. I said, yeah. He sent me a picture of the Reeboks. I said, it's him. Robert Payne was still in a hospital bed when he learned that five of his colleagues, his fellow firefighters who volunteered alongside him for years, had died. We had uh, five members of our department that were killed. Uh, There were over 20 there at the time or on the scene or near the scene. Let's just say that. Maybe not right there present, but on their way or very close. Fifteen people total. And this is a small town, 2,800 people. Yeah, they were like family. A lot of us grew up together. If I didn't, if we didn't grow up together, I was watching the younger ones grow up, known each other all our lives, especially Robert and Doug Snookhouse. They're just a year and two years younger than I am. The brothers. So, yeah, they were brothers. It was devastating on them. Our city secretary is one, someone that when I was on city council that we hired, loved him dearly, Joey Pashoski. Uh, Morris was a little bit new to the department, but still a great volunteer. He's uh, probably had been there just a matter of a few years at the time, but he had been a great asset. And Cody Dragu was the other one that we lost. Uh, Cody was actually the manager of the plant, so we were very concerned if he was present at the time when it was the fire was going on. Fifteen families mourned the loss of a loved one, including Jimmy Matthews, Dustin's dad. But I was his only child, and it's kind of kind of tough because I don't have my dad around that, you know, uh, I don't get to share the, you know, the holidays or the events or, or things that we accomplished. I don't get to share it with them. You know, I don't get to show them, hey, look, look how good I'm doing now. I used to be a, used to be a screw up, and look, you know, look what I'm doing now. Uh, instead of running around acting a fool, I can, I'm, I'm doing something with my life. The whole town was affected. The local nursing home had to evacuate residents out of the windows because part of the building collapsed. One nursing home resident died the same day. 72 were taken to the hospital and 14 died over the next two months. And it could have been much, much worse if school had been in session. Right, right. The middle school, intermediate school, and high school were all leveled. If West Fertilizer Company had exploded only a few hours earlier, the town could have lost a generation. In the days after the explosion, the Texas state fire marshals took over the scene. Along with a federal agency, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives, or ATF for short. Three years later, ATF declared the explosion was caused by arson, that the fire had been intentionally set. Another agency, the Chemical Safety Board, which investigates chemical disasters from a scientific perspective, also acknowledged this possibility in its report, but left open other potential causes. We'll talk more about this ATF finding later, because it had big ripple effects for chemical safety policies across the country and beyond ammonium nitrate. So ATF did its three-year investigation, and there were a lot of lawsuits. People filed claims against the three main companies that were involved. Adair Grain, which owned and operated the site. As well as El Dorado Chemical Company, along with CF Industries, which manufactured and supplied the chemicals. There were a lot of confidential settlements, and those three companies paid about $10 million to the city government. And as for that ATF investigation, it's still ongoing. But again, more on that later. So, 
Right now, there are about 33 sites that store large amounts of ammonium nitrate in Texas. What's being done to prevent another explosion, like the one at West Fertilizer Company? That's next on Fire Triangle. If you like Fire Triangle, check out Outside In. It's a show about the natural world and how we use it, produced by the folks at New Hampshire Public Radio. It's hosted by environment and energy journalist Sam Evans-Brown, and the team brings journalism and a solid sense of humor to a broad variety of topics. From deep dives into renewable energy and climate change... I faced enormous pressure. You couldn't write this in Hollywood. Radio field trips to special ecosystems. This is the animal of Mexico. And stories from Outside In's New England backyard. That's a nice little wild trout right there. Big ideas with a solid sense of humor. Winter. Oh my God, Taylor, no. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> One episode that Fire Triangle listeners might be interested in, the Carrington event. Is the electrical grid facing imminent destruction from a massive solar flare? And what could we do about it? Search Outside In wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Dominic Anthony Walsh. And I'm Katie Watkins. This is Fire Triangle. In a moment, we'll uncover a state secret, the location of an ammonium nitrate storage facility. But first, let's introduce a thrilling character, the United States federal bureaucracy. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) So we introduced the Chemical Safety Board in part one. Right, the federal agency that investigates chemical disasters. Unlike some other federal agencies like ATF, the Chemical Safety Board is not an enforcement agency. It also doesn't regulate like the EPA or OSHA. The CSB just tries to determine all the root causes of a disaster from a scientific perspective. They publish their investigation for all to see, and they make recommendations on how to prevent similar disasters. Right, and those recommendations are addressed to certain entities. Governments, companies, federal agencies. Trade groups, unions, the list goes on. But basically any group that could make some change that could help prevent similar accidents. The Chemical Safety Board report for the West Explosion has 19 recommendations. According to the CSB database, only six have been fulfilled. And it's been five years since that report came out. So you probably remember that huge explosion that ripped apart Beirut, the capital city of Lebanon. That was ammonium nitrate. And the explosion reminded a lot of officials in the U.S. of similar disasters closer to home. And it keeps me awake at night. That's the chair of the Chemical Safety Board. Her name is Catherine Lemos. And after Beirut, she started sounding the alarm. Her message? Ammonium nitrate explosions have already happened in this country. And they're likely to happen again if nothing changes. So going back to the Chemical Safety Board's investigation, again, 13 of the 19 recommendations have not been fulfilled. There are two big ones that Lemos worries about. These two are open, and I find them of critical importance. First, Lemos wants the Environmental Protection Agency, the EPA, to add ammonium nitrate to its oversight program for very hazardous chemicals. Basically, to give it even more federal oversight. The Biden administration has signaled EPA will do more on this issue. The EPA says its new leadership is aware of the recommendations and will be working with agency staff to, quote, review prior actions. Anyway, let's move on to the second thing the Chemical Safety Board really wants. They want OSHA, the federal agency tasked with protecting workers, to take action. 
They want OSHA to require the use of water sprinklers and non-combustible storage bins in ammonium nitrate facilities. Non-combustible bins so that fires are less likely, water sprinklers so that any fires are hopefully put out. So let me tell you why this is important. We're still with Catherine Lemos, chair of the Chemical Safety Board. These same regulatory gaps that existed in 2013 for ammonium nitrate still exist today. And it is disturbing to me that facilities can still use combustible wooden materials and storage bins to house ammonium nitrate. They're not required to use sprinklers in storage buildings. And the regulations, at least at a federal level, regarding the proximity of storage of large amounts of ammonium nitrate near homes, schools, and hospitals is inconsistent. So, according to the head of the CSB, OSHA or someone needs to address these big regulatory gaps, especially for water sprinklers and combustible storage bins. And someone, probably not OSHA, needs to review where these storage sites are built. Perhaps not in the middle of a town. That is the type of change we need. It's, it's, it's up to the local community to distribute the information, but most important is are we managing these hazardous chemicals appropriately? And her answer to that question, are we managing these hazardous chemicals appropriately, is no. Right. It becomes a state-by-state, city-by-city issue. And Lemos says this patchwork, this matrix of regulations at the local, state, and federal levels, unevenly enforced by different agencies in different settings, is just not enough. She says there needs to be a change. Our mission is to drive it at this point from the top down. That's why the big recommendations are targeted towards federal agencies like OSHA and the EPA. But remember, the Chemical Safety Board can't force these changes. The agency can only make recommendations, and Lemos can talk about them. But we have been engaged with them, and it is a top priority for me to close these recommendations and to make progress. It's a big goal, and she's frustrated that eight years after an American town was leveled, ammonium nitrate can be, and is, still stored in combustible containers with no water sprinklers. Because OSHA hasn't acted. There are 33 of these storage sites in Texas, especially in farming communities like West, many of them near schools, churches, homes, or hospitals. So I told Dustin Matus, the son of Jimmy Matus, who was killed in the 2013 explosion, about these unfulfilled recommendations. Uh, I'm curious how that makes you feel, what you make of that. Furious. (laughs) I I really am furious about it. Uh, You know, uh, they need to make changes. They need to... Why do they not need fire sprinklers around something that is explosive? It don't, it don't make sense. It saddens me, of course. And this is Robert Payne, the volunteer firefighter who lost childhood friends and spent a couple weeks in the hospital. We are, I think as a community, saddened to know that other communities could be caught in that same situation. Sprinklers, I'm sure, would have made a difference. Uh, storing them in concrete would have made a difference. They were in wood bins, no sprinklers. So even before the Chemical Safety Board recommendations came out, EPA and OSHA had been considering all sorts of changes to chemical safety. 
but the agencies certainly haven't made much progress over the past few years. We'll explain why when we finish this thrilling tale of federal regulatory bureaucracy in a moment. But first, as promised, we'll reveal a state secret. Fire Triangle will be right back. From breakthroughs in science and technology to explorations of humanity, Think is an opportunity to take a deep dive into the topics you're most curious about. We bring you discussions with philosophers, authors, public figures, and policymakers, the people who influence us in ways we don't always see. I'm Chris Boyd, and I hope you'll join us next time on Think. I'm Katie Watkins. And I'm Dominic Anthony Walsh. This is Fire Triangle. So before the break, we mentioned that there are more than 30 ammonium nitrate storage facilities in Texas. Again, ammonium nitrate is used for fertilizer. It's also the chemical that blew apart a Texas town in 2013. We also talked about the inaction at the federal level when it comes to improving ammonium nitrate storage conditions. We wanted to visit one of these sites to see how is this stuff stored? The state of Texas denied our open records request, citing homeland security. as common practice in this state for information on hazardous chemicals. But going back to the Chemical Safety Board, the federal agency that investigates chemical disasters, in their report on the West explosion, the agency included two Google Earth images of other ammonium nitrate storage facilities. Both of the satellite images look like rural areas, and one of them is near a hospital. Well, there are only so many rural hospitals in Texas, and the Texas Department of Agriculture has a handy little list of them. 166 rural hospitals on this little list. Perfect. So we looked them up on Google Earth. Bayside Community Hospital in Chambers County. And checked to see if they match the photos from the report. No. We looked at many, many rural hospitals. Rural hospital number 10, Central Texas Hospital, no. Until? Number 48, East Texas Medical Center, Fairfield. Oh, that's, I think that's it. Let's go to Street View. Caps True Value Hardware and Ag Center. Here's that state secret we promised, one of the 33 ammonium nitrate storage sites in Texas. I'm here to meet with uh, Barry. Barry Caps is the owner of Caps True Value Hardware and Ag Center, also known as Figure 57 in the Chemical Safety Board report on the West explosion. Do you have any ammonium? Do you have any of it on site right now? Yeah. Can we go take a look at it? Yeah. Cool. He's been in the business for nearly half a century. It's just been a progression over time of a little bit of growth, a little bit of growth, a little bit of growth, and. I've always loved agriculture, been involved in it, had cattle, and, you know, it was just a natural thing to do. So he has some cattle and a little bit of ammonium nitrate? Maybe a little bit more than a little bit. How much do you have on site right now? Oh, I doubt there's much over a load, which is 25, 30 tons. Gotcha, gotcha. And then, uh, you know, is that is that typically what you have? Well, during the peak season when we're running, which is typically in the spring and in the fall, we might have 50, 60, 70 tons. Gotcha. But you're constantly changing it in and out. 70 tons. That's a lot. It is. Less than 30 tons detonated in the 2013 explosion in West. So Barry Caps and I walked up to a pile about that size. So let's, let's go look. It's back here. 
It was in a wooden shed with a metal gate, chained and padlocked shut. No water sprinklers, just a really big pile of white stuff underneath a clear tarp. Cap says it's great for fertilizer, nothing like it. Here, and at many fertilizer sites, this ammonium nitrate is custom mixed with other compounds to create fertilizer perfectly tailored for a particular farmer's soil. Many farmers swear by this chemical. So, you know, it's, it's a shame that something like ammonium nitrate gets a bad rap because of two or three really bad incidences, and I'm, and I'm not making light at West right, by no right. means, because those, those are our kind of folks. And I, I don't know that the truth about that will ever come out. But I do know if you've got this in a bin, it will not explode by itself. It's got to have something else. Okay, but to be clear, ammonium nitrate can absolutely explode. All it takes is an ignition source. Barry Caps wasn't convinced. I don't think so. I think she had a fire right here with the air coming to it and all that. It, the building had burned down. It collapsed on it, nothing happened. You can take a cutting torch and sit there and put it right on that nitrate. Nothing's going to happen. But the fire in West triggered that explosion and leveled the entire town. And the CSB report literally includes a photo of his storage site. Right, right. So I showed him that photo. I've seen that. You saw, you saw that? Yeah. What was your reaction when you saw that? It, it doesn't bother me because I know that we do everything humanly possible to make this as safe as we can. And I would not have something on site if I thought potentially something bad could happen to our area. Barry Capps has lived in Fairfield his whole life. He says he would never do anything to put the community at risk. But the science is pretty clear on this. Yeah, so we kept going back and forth. We chatted with the head of the Chemical Safety Board earlier this year. and I told him about our reporting and these recommendations, the water sprinklers and non-combustible bins. If we thought, and, and somebody could tell me, hey, you know what, this thing will blow up if it caught on fire. If there was even the minute possibility that that could happen and we could alleviate that by water sprinklers, it would not be a big deal to put that in. We'd do it in heartbeat. I think, I think that's what Chemical Safety Board has said. Well, then I'll certainly look into doing it. Because at the end of the day, we want to be a good steward of what we have. And if, and if water sprinklers will help, it's not a big deal. Wait, so did he do it? He says he's still working on it, but that it's a priority. Gotcha, gotcha. There was one thing about that conversation, though, that I think is worth focusing on. Cap says we might not ever know what happened at West. So let's go back to the very beginning of our story. This explosion happens, it kills 15, and destroys part of a town. Right, and then a lot of different agencies start different investigations. You have the Chemical Safety Board, which we talked about earlier. That one focused on the root causes of the explosion. And then you have law enforcement agencies like the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives, or ATF. They look for possible crimes. And OSHA, which looks for possible violations of federal workplace regulations. So a lot of investigations. While all of that is happening, President Obama ordered a few federal departments to improve chemical safety regulations. OSHA considered closing a loophole that allowed a lot of these ammonium nitrate sites to escape more scrutiny from federal regulators. Basically, if a business sold more than half of its hazardous materials to so-called end users, 
That business was exempted from OSHA's process safety management standards. That's just an extra layer of oversight for businesses that handle dangerous chemicals. And in this case, uh, West Fertilizer sold more than 50% of its hazardous materials, specifically uh, anhydrous ammonia or ammonium nitrate, to farms, which were considered to be end users. This is Jordan Barab. He was the number two official at OSHA under the Obama administration. And before that, spent five years as a recommendations manager at the Chemical Safety Board. Because of that experience, he was OSHA's lead person on this big chemical safety policy review. Beyond that specific loophole, OSHA tried to modernize and update certain rules around chemical safety. But the agrochemical industry pushed back, especially on the change to the retail loophole. And uh, eventually took us to court um, and we lost the court case. court didn't say that we couldn't make the change that we did. Um, The court just said that we had to go through the long regulatory process in order to make that change. So OSHA is being sued. Their new policies are put on a slow track, but the agency is still working on them. In the meantime, ATF is still investigating. And remember, this agency focuses on criminal wrongdoing. And suddenly, halfway through 2016, ATF announces a finding. Well, I got a call from our, uh, uh, our regional administrator in Texas who said, you know, sit down, you won't believe this, but uh, ATF just held a press conference. We are here today to announce the final ruling as to the cause of the fire. This audio comes from the Dallas Morning News. The fire has been ruled as incendiary. This means this fire was a criminal act. So this press conference happens and top officials like Jordan Barab are stunned. We immediately called the White House. Did you hear this? And they said, yeah, we just heard it as well. We had no idea this was coming. Barab says ATF wouldn't even brief OSHA or the White House on the finding. And we should say ATF declined our interview request because, the agency says, that criminal investigation is still ongoing. They still insist they have direct evidence of arson, but they won't tell us what it is, and they won't comment on whether or not they refuse to brief OSHA or the White House. After the arson announcement, the explosion became a kind of true crime narrative. The question became who set the fire, rather than how did the fire lead to a devastating explosion, or what can be done to prevent a similar event? Right, those second two questions are vital. How to prevent a fire from turning into an explosion. And there are numerous cases of fires at uh, fertilizer facilities that do not end up in explosions. Again, because the ammonium nitrate uh, is stored appropriately. And again, appropriate storage, water sprinklers, and non-combustible containers, according to the Chemical Safety Board. But the ATF finding had a big, big impact beyond public perception. It affected chemical safety across the country. And I don't have to speculate on the political implications of that kind of finding. We can look uh, at what happened at EPA. EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency, actually had a new policy ready to go by the end of Obama's second term. And it went beyond ammonium nitrate. It went beyond Texas. This new policy was massive, stricter chemical safety requirements that would have affected many facilities across the country. But then the Trump administration took office and eventually rolled back that rule. And they pointed to the ATF arson finding as a major reason. Because if, you know, it was just uh, some crazy person who started the fire. Um, and again, this, is, this, is, this kind of violates all the principles of process safety management and how to prevent these kind of explosions. So now there's a new administration in the White House. 
What will the federal government do to improve chemical safety under the Biden administration? Well, this new administration has signaled that those EPA rollbacks will be reversed. So you're telling me the rollbacks might be rolled back. Right, right. Or perhaps they will be unrolled. Sure. But that process hasn't started just yet. The EPA says its new leadership is aware of these open recommendations from the Chemical Safety Board, the ones related to the West explosion that call for more oversight of ammonium nitrate by the EPA. But the agency didn't say when or if the recommendations will be completed. Same thing with OSHA. The agency says the administration is reviewing those regulatory priorities, including changing that retail loophole that allowed a site like West Fertilizer to escape more oversight. But these aren't the types of things that can be changed with a stroke of a pen on an executive order. It will take a long time to check every necessary box and finally get these safety standards implemented. And again, these new regulations would improve chemical safety in just about every chemical facility across the country. In the meantime, experts tell us ammonium nitrate remains underregulated. The Chemical Safety Board calls chemical disasters like the West Explosion low-probability, high-consequence events. There are at least 33 ammonium nitrate sites in Texas that have a relatively low probability of blowing up. But that probability isn't as low as it could be. And the potential for high consequence is definitely still there, in small towns across the state. High consequence. That means lives lost, people displaced. Many of the residents in these towns, Athens, Bryan, Elkhart, De Leon and Fairfield, among others. Many of the current residents are aware that these sites store some amount of dangerous chemicals, but they don't know how much, and newcomers might be entirely unaware. So, like we mentioned, ammonium nitrate and most other hazardous chemicals are considered by the state of Texas to be a homeland security threat. Right. This is why the storage locations are classified by the state. But what if I told you there is this massive chemical catastrophe looming on the horizon, a disaster that could turn huge chunks of the Texas Gulf Coast into uninhabitable pools of toxic waste. And we actually do have a lot of public information about this threat. I would probably say something like, yikes, I hope that stays on the horizon, looming but never arriving. Okay, okay, but what if I told you it's already begun? That's next time on Fire Triangle. Fire Triangle is reported and produced by Dominic Anthony Walsh. And Katie Watkins. Our editor is Kitty Isley. Fact-checking by Sarah Sneath. Sound design and music by Jacob Rosati. Special thanks to David Martin Davies, Dan Katz, Fernanda Camarena, Dave Failing, Lori Johnson, Lori Eisensee, and Report for America, a nonprofit national service organization that places journalists like me in local newsrooms to report on undercovered issues. Fire Triangle is a production of Texas Public Radio in collaboration with Houston Public Media. 